a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. I am pumped up more than usual for Advanced Medicine Monday. Why is that? Because we had our first Advanced Medicine Seminar. Dr. Rasha Bittar invited me up. I, I came up to Philadelphia, and it was amazing. Got to hang out with Sherry Tenpenny. Dr. Tenpenny, we talked about this on the air yesterday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. You have to go back and listen to the archives of my GCN show because we were excited. We were absolutely excited. We talked about uh, Dr. Tenpenny knowing about this, talking with Dr. Bittar since 05. Dr. Bittar, how are you feeling? Are you pumped up from all this weekend? Oh, man, I'm... Um I'm so happy and exhilarated. My whole staff is excited. It's uh, it was really good. It was culmination of a long time thought that finally materialized, and and now we are well on the way. Everything's downhill from here, Robert. Well, yeah. If you first talked about it with Doctor Tenpenny like seven years ago, and of course yep. all the things you've been through since then, the battles that you've had to fight to defend yourself and go on the offensive too against these these nutty people and on the <laughs> the medical boards that don't believe in advanced medicine and, and really try to control everything. It really, on one level, you could say, well, it was a detour. On the other level, it was probably a necessary detour because inevitably they would have come after you. Well, actually, Robert, the whole thing was in 2005 when I talked to Dr. Tempany about this. Actually, uh, prior to 2005, uh, we met in the Canary Islands at a conference and we talked about it. But uh, instead of going with the advanced medicine seminars, we did actually launch in 2005, but that was the right. Advanced Medicine Education and Services Physician Association, AMSPA, which you know as AMSPA. Yes. We had training programs. And we did nine of those from 2005, January 2005 till uh, August of 2007, we did nine courses. We were AMA Category 1 CME accredited course. And uh, that was really the reason why the medical board came after me was because I was teaching this information and getting ACCME accreditation <laughs> for teaching this. So they could not afford that type of that kind of, uh, that type of validation. In other words, we had Category 1 AMA accreditation to teach ozone uh, autohemotherapy, to teach uh, bio-oxidative therapies such as hydrogen peroxide, such as um, ultraviolet blood irradiation. We were teaching all sorts of non-conventional therapies and getting ACCME accreditation for it. And that's the reason they came after me. Yeah, it was really, really stunning. And we we were there on the second day, of course, where the do- the docs and the lay- and laypersons were there. Everybody was welcome to attend. And I think the docs had, had as much fun on the second day as they did on the first and and we, you know we we got to do a long Q and A panel at the end, which was really cool. And I was sitting next to one of your trained doctors, physicians who did a lot of infectious disease stuff. And it was fascinating when the question came up about Lyme disease and and the use of antibiotics. How this doctor, who was well versed now in a lot of integrative therapies, natural therapies, was still using some level of antibiotic therapy when she felt it was necessary. You immediately came in and said. It isn't for you because you're utilizing certain other things that weren't in play yet. That's right. Because she doesn't have the ability to use the 
oxidative therapies such as ozone, ozone autohemotherapy and the ultraviolet blood irradiation, the hydrogen peroxide. And that's one reason she's still using the long course antibiotics. But did you notice that even though she's using the antibiotics, she's gone from a year and a half to two years worth of treatment down to three months of treatment with yes. the antibiotics using these other modalities. Yes. And she has told me in no uncertain terms that this has been one of the most significant transformations in her own professional career and in some ways even in her own personal life that uh, coming through the AMSA course made that transition. And this is actually a commonality among – it's a common denominator among all the doctors that came through the AMSA course but that literally changed their lives to, a, to an extent that they never fathomed was possible. Mm. Yeah, this was uh, amazing. And to hear that, even to say what you said, if she was using it like a lot of docs that are quote-unquote Lyme specialists that don't know holistic options, it's full-on antibiotics. I mean, it's it's dangerous yeah. and it can be deadly long-term. To see that she at the very least reduced it to that extent was was huge, was significant. And we also talked about the reasons why she might not want to go further because these states, these state boards of medicine are still eyeballing these docs and they're looking mm. for any excuse to go after them and just kind of wipe them out exactly and that's one reason part of our strategy that we had time to discuss only in a very limited manner uh, that strategy is the answer for not only the doctors to be able to have the freedom and the autonomy to practice the way they need to practice and the way that the patients want them to practice but it also gives a patient the autonomy to be able to seek the care that they that they want and that they need Oh yeah, and I think the other aspect of this, and I, I didn't, I didn't hear a lot of it uh, on that day. You probably talked more with the doctors about the, the kind of a private associations. We've talked about it on the air here on Advanced Medicine Monday. The idea is that we look to do private license type agreements. And I even, when I was seeing people as a homeopath, I actually gave them a contract to sign that was showed, gave me private license to work with them in this arena that would completely eliminate the four, you know, anybody entering those, those four corners to claim that I was practicing quote unquote medicine without a license. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to, Robert. And that's why. The private contract by taking it out of the public realm, which is where yes. the, the, the power comes to these uh, regulatory boards, is because they're, un, they're basically using the pretense of protecting the public right. and using that to fuel their power behind them. But when you take that portion out, when you take the fact that you're no longer operating within the realm of the public and, and doing it all in private con- under private contract which is protected by the first and 14th amendments they have no more power left that is such an important distinction and it goes right to the heart of what i was uh, referencing when i lectured on some health sovereignty issues you know the kind of concept of not asking for permission where none is required now if you're working in the public where they ha- they own the domain so to speak and they only allow you privileges to do things that's one thing but once you take back your status at law and and operate there Suddenly, they're no longer welcome there, and that's a whole huge distinction. It's like literally opening up your eyes to a universe that exists within the framework or outside the framework of the one that they say exists. That's exactly right, Robert. In fact, I believe that we are, again, based on this 2012, the coming of the golden age, I believe that we are now at at a very critical point and in a very exciting point where more and more people are understanding that by exiting that public realm and entering into the private contract realm, so many other forms of autonomy can be um, secured. Sure, and yes. It, it's, it's just very exciting to see that happening. So it's like reinitializing your you know, passion and commitment and even your mission once you're on it. 
Uh, nobody can dissuade you from it. But for so many of us throughout our lives until we wake up one day, it's like the old parable, you, you come as eagles, and yet you're scratching in the dirt as if you were born a chicken. You know, you're looking up in the sky and wishing you could soar and fly like the eagles, but everybody told you were a chicken. It's like, you know, you believed them. And instead, you could just start flapping your wings. You're up there with the eagles in that private, that new world, and then the chickens are down there still scratching for dirt and worms. It's because they believe that to be the case. Yeah, exactly. In many ways, um, would you not agree that that's just an illusion that's been created a very powerful one but yes i mean that's our 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 power has been given to believe something into existence and of course those that want to control us they know that very well and they play it against us yeah that's exactly right because as soon as you realize that the only power that they get is from our fear and that fear fuels their power and as soon as we realize that we truly have that autonomy and the U.S. Constitution was set up to ensure that that power with us and not with the government. Mm-hmm. I mean, our forefathers, you know, the more I understand about this, Robert, and the more I see about this, it just amazes me how these men that lived 250 years ago, I mean, did, yeah. were, were they soothsayers? I mean, did they have a crystal ball that they could look into the future? Because it's amazing all the insight that they had. Yes, there's definitely a lot of assistance from some other realm. I have to believe that to be the case. Now, at the same point in time, we're not naive enough to believe, even though we can pine and say how wonderful the Founding Fathers were, what vision they had, we would acknowledge that. Yet the moment they signed the Declaration of Independence, the moment the Constitution was ratified, was the moment things and people started to try and undermine it. It's not like this just happened in 2012. All of these things we've discussed and we brought up even at the Advanced Medicine Seminar about the Flexner Report, the history of medicine, the present help. on and, and Dr. Tenpenny was great, too. She goes back into the history of vaccines and lays it out, and it really helped the people there to hear the basis of where this all started. Yeah, actually, my office manager even commented on that. She said she had no idea that the, the historical aspect of this, and this was the first time she'd even understood that, and she's been with me for 11 years. And I have to admit, there, there were parts of that when she was presenting that I had no idea either. So that's one reason I'd asked her to come. It was, it was a fascinating presentation, as was yours. It was, a, it was an excellent presentation. I was thinking just not to myself, though, Robert, that mm-hmm. anybody who contests the thought that history repeats itself – is not looking at the U.S. Constitution because surely the forefathers knew what was going to happen based upon understanding history and what had happened in other uh, democracies previous to the United States and had foreseen what could potentially um, become a problem in the future. And I think that's how they wrote the Constitution. Of course, um, this is conjecture on my part, but there's no other way for them to have been able to foretell what was Mm -hmm. going to happen. They looked at history and said, okay, this has happened, you know, out of – 15 times we've studied this. This has happened all 15 times. So this, this is something that we need to prevent from happening again in the future. And, and it's happening again. History repeats itself. Well, you've, you've nailed it. Your, your conjecture was more than conjecture. It was a, co- a cogent observation because, indeed, that's a lot of the history of the Founding Fathers is that they knew history so well that when they wrote these documents – they understood the pitfalls, the, what things would happen. They tried their level best to write in there to prevent that which they knew would inevitably happen because it was the nature of man throughout history. So exactly what we have done is we've fallen asleep to that partially because we've allowed people to erase history and rewrite it. That's kind of why I brought up in my lecture about the whole medical history of the states. It's like when I realized they wiped out homeopathy from the American history – 
I was like, if they could wipe out an entire system of medicine, what else did they wipe out? Well, exactly. And this is the thing that the fact that the Civil War soldiers had little kits with homeopathic medicines in there, homeopathic remedies that history wiped out. I mean, th- that that's I really, mean, really that's huge. Yeah, it is. It just it makes you realize how deep this well really is. But, mm-hmm. you know, Robert, to bring this full force back into the medical uh, context uh, you look at Obama's health care law, and again, I don't want to get too political. We always say that when we get so <laughs> That's all right, because we bring the principles there. Right, exactly. But, you know, it comes back, and I've said this quote on the show at least two or three times previously. I said this in front of the medical board, and I'm going to state it again. When a government, when a people, excuse me, when a people allow a government to dictate the foods they put in their mouths and the medicines to take into their bodies, their souls will soon be in the same sorry state that those of those who live in tyranny. Yeah, under and tyranny. By Thomas Jefferson. So when you start looking at Obamacare, and you start questioning, you know, is it or is it not constitutional? You start looking at, you know, it says, should it be a law or not? Mm-hmm. You just have to go back to a quote from one of the founding fathers and realize that there's absolutely no validity to what Obama's doing with the health care. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the entire system is based on a fraud, based on a lie that it actually has something to do with health care. We talked about it. Dr. Tenpenny talked about it. You talked about it. The, the basis that where we acknowledge the, the great works of allopathic medicine is acute in, 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 in trauma care. You know, the, the absolute Humpty Dumpty, we got to put them back together again. But outside of that realm, they're applying that same methodology to every other area. It's like antibiotics. You think cancer is an infection, so you treat it with toxic chemotherapy that's worse than antibiotics. That's right. That's absolutely right. So that's where we are. That's where we're going today. Advanced Medicine Monday, kicking it off. I'm so excited. Dr. Tenpenny was yesterday. Go back and listen to the archives. And guess what? Advanced Medicine Monday is coming back as this seminar, just like it was. Advanced Medicine Seminars in person down in Houston, Texas in November. We'll get those dates there up there at advancedmedicineseminars.com. Check it out. Lots more healing to go with Dr. Rasha Batar here on Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Stay with us. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. All right, we're past the uh, solstice, the autumn, uh, what do they call it? equinox, I should say. And we're now in the northern hemisphere, the shorter days, getting it ready. They're going to ratchet up flu shot season higher than ever. But those that went to advanced medicine seminar are not going to fear that ever, ever. And, of course, you have another opportunity. We mentioned that coming up in November. We checked on the break. It is November 16th and 17th in Houston, Texas. And that is the weekend before, before Thanksgiving. And Dr. Bittar, what was it you said? You come down to, to Houston for that, you will have something to be seriously grateful for. Well, I think that based upon the first set of attendees, Robert, and what people personally came back to me after the seminar and said to me, I think that that was the general consensus. And I think it would be safe to say that people that come in November will feel the same way. Yeah, it was very, very exciting. In fact, I, I was able to interview a few people just briefly to kind of get some questions and comments, uh, particularly some that we might be able to answer on the air here at Advanced Medicine Monday. And by the way, I want to remind everybody, it's as easy as uh, calling 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. If you have a question, we'll get it on the air. Also, you can just put it up on the website at robertscottbell.com. But here we've got some from the event itself. And I met a nice doctor, another physician. You know, it was great. Everybody was hanging out together. It was wonderful. I think Dr. Jim Lemire 
and I think he's in Florida. I have a doctor here with me now. Tell us your name. Uh, Dr. Jim Lemire. Dr. Jim Lemire, and you're in practice for how long? Uh, 36 years. As an MD or DO? I'm an MD. I do natural family medicine. Now, do you have a question? Maybe you already know the answer, but maybe it was already answered, or maybe it wasn't. Well, I, I think the question would be is, is the, that patients have asked me is when they go other places of the country, how to find a physician of like mind with Dr. Buter and myself who practice a kind of medicine that doesn't require radiation, surgery, cancer drugs, who would option to them. And then, you know, try and give some, some guidance to your listeners is where to find that kind of physician. That's a great question. I appreciate him asking that because that's one of the most common questions we get here. You know, how do I find a good doc that can actually help me that knows the stuff that you know, or at least some semblance of it so we can actually get some help, Dr. Batar? Well, that is a great question. And in fact, the answer to that question is centersforadvancedmedicine.com. And right now, there's only a few doctors on that website, but there will be more. And essentially, the site will not just be limited to physicians, but to find a healthcare provider that is of like mind. That's what the goal is. So you'll be able to find dentists, doctors, massage therapists, naturopaths, chiropractors, whoever has the same uh, thought process, who is like-minded, who's attended an advanced medicine seminar and has uh, basically shown that they understand this concept of toxicity. They understand the concept of using a drug, why it's not the uh, ideal thing to do, and how using a natural supplement in the same manner as a drug Mm -hmm. in order to cover up a symptom is also not the right thing to do, but rather to balance the system by, one, taking out what shouldn't be there, i.e. the toxins and the toxicities, and two, to replenish what should be there, which is the uh, cofactors, the enzymes, the vitamins, the minerals, et cetera, et cetera. And so we want the centersforadvancedmedicine.com to be the source of information as far as who to go to or who can provide you with the type of treatment and therapy that you're seeking with the right philosophy underlying the entire treatment philosophy. Well, I like that you expanded that into all healing modalities, all different practitioners that are out there. And that was the nice thing about the interaction that I saw on Saturday at the Advanced Medicine Seminar because there were you know people that were completely just lay persons that had no training at all, and there were some that were certified natural health practitioners, different kind of docs and things were there. And at, so, at one point, there was a question. I talked on the air with Dr. Tenpenny yesterday about this, uh, where a woman who was a CNHP, and she says, I want to ha- be able to refer to a doctor. I want to integrate. I want to work with it. And, and we both kind of, I think we all agree. It's like, you have to do what you're good at, what you're passionate at, what you've been trained to do, and do it as well as you can. All the other things will work themselves out. Don't try to align yourself with people who aren't ready to be you know, all that they can be holistically. That's absolutely right, Robert. And I think that I... I would like to hope at least that she did understand that. It it appeared that she did understand that, and I think that's one of the things we want to make sure that everybody starts to understand that concept, not just – not just people in certain pockets, but universally, everybody starts to understand that concept. Yeah, I mean, it's an ideal goal to want to work with people, and you know, but realize that the, the a lot of these tra- well-trained, if we call them that, well, let's say well-programmed uh, doctors out there, look at natural health people like that as a threat as opposed to someone they can work with. So you really have to go to someone who's been through something like the training we talked about to be able to see a doc that's open enough to be realizing all of these things. And here's the thing, Robert, doctors that are conventionally trained that are not open to this, at some point they will become forced to become open to it. And what I'm 
hoping to convey is that, and what I think I did convey to that particular provider was that we should live and practice, like Buddha said, we should take every opportunity we can to preach and never open our mouths. And by doing so, by living our life a certain way and by achieving certain success in the people that we are able to take care of, those conventional providers that at this time that provider was trying to align herself with, they will start seeing the results that they can't themselves achieve, but she's achieving, and they will slowly and steadily gravitate towards her either by referring patients to her or by talking to her or by consulting with her or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. But to try to align yourself, if you've got the right answer and somebody's got the wrong answer and you're trying to align yourself with them, you know, it's like (laughs) it just doesn't work that way. You you need to draw them to you, not try to go to you, not try to convince them because you're trying to get them to swallow something that in their mind they think is inferior. You have to prove that you are superior and let them come to that superior side. Yes. I was I was just thinking about um, say how to how to make this outreach happen, and it's sort of like you, you just can't force these things. They have to come to that place, that conclusion. They've got to be ready at that point, and it only happens when they start seeing those results. You know, one of the things that I brought up was that once you're doing what you are doing to help others to heal, and even to teach them how to heal, so that they don't need you, rather than not having enough patience or lacking patience, that poverty consciousness, you'll have so many people beating down your door, you'll wonder how you're going to deal with everybody. I was going to ask you, Dr. Batar, have you found those people that you've trained have found that to be true as well? Well, I think that a lot of those doctors have experienced that, Robert, but I can tell you that in my personal uh, experience, what's happened is that I'll start getting referrals from other doctors, but when the patient tells me who, you know, that I, I was sent here by my so my my primary care provider or my specialist or this or that, more often than not, when I ask who the doctor is, just so that I can be courteous, send them a thank you letter for the referral, let them know what we found and what we were doing and what the plan, what the plan that we've got, how it's going, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. It's a normal courtesy thing you know, among doctors. More often than not, the patient will tell me that the doctor told me to come see you but they didn't want me to tell you who they were. <laughs> no, they. Uh, but why are they secretly bad mouthing you in public and behind the scenes going, "Hey, he's a good guy. Go see him. He'll know what to do." Well, it's it's actually not quite uh, that sinister. What it is is that they're afraid that they will be ridiculed by the peer group. They don't want to no- let their peer group know that they've made that referral. So they'll tell them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had this happen. I bet you two dozen times in the last decade where I have been told by the patient. In fact, one of them, the pa- the. the they were the, the people that came to me. They were the parents of the physician. In fact, the phys- their child was a physician, and that the, the son told them, told the parents, parents, go see Dr. Buttar. And when I, you know, they said our son's a doctor and, and blah, 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 and he told us to come see you, and we're here. And they actually had a really good outcome. Um, when I asked them who their son was, just so that I could, you know, if I need something to refer a patient from the conventional side, because I don't do any conventional medicine at all. You know, we make sure the patient signed a consent form saying that we're not going to provide any um, emergency type care or any urgent type care. We don't take care of the routine types of things. So I, I obviously want to send my patients for routine types of things to doctors that uh, refer to me. And the, the mom and dad, the, the patients told me, uh, well, you know, I'm, we're not sure how to say this to you, Dr. Bittar, but uh, he really encouraged us to come see you, but he also did not want uh, us to divulge who he was. Now, you know, it was kind of absurd because their last name, I, could, I, I knew it was their last <laughs> he name. Was, he was their son. 
Yeah, I mean, he, there's guys up. Uh, there's a guy up in Statesville, and he's the only person that I know that has. I mean, it could be somebody else, but yeah. it's not a big deal. I just saw that as a. I saw that as a real compliment. It's almost like, yeah. um, you know, in a way, it's 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 a compliment because when somebody sends their own parents, their doctor, they send their own parents to you. Oh, that's huge. I mean, I I think about that too, and that. I know a doctor I trust is I would send my wife or my kids or my parents to right that that says everything you're right and that's a that's a stunning endorsement. Yeah, and that's the way I took it. So I figured the guy will you know if he needs to make that transition, um, you know it's a fear based decision, but I honored him for having had the guts to make the right decision for his parents, and even though he didn't want to be associated with me necessarily in the public realm because you got to remember you know the number of times i've been attacked by a medical board probably doctors want to stay an arm and a leg length away from me maybe more like a yardstick and two away because they don't want to be associated you know that guilt by association type thing and uh, even though now more and more doctors have recognized what's going been going on in the state of north carolina and i've actually Somehow they've perceived it as a badge of honor for me to have gone through this, so that and that's good. But I can understand why somebody would be wary. They they may they may appreciate what I've done and they may have uh, some um, gratitude there, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want to be attacked either, just because they're associated with me. And you know what? I don't blame them. I wouldn't want somebody to go through what I had to go through, and I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. So. I understand that, and I just appreciate the fact that he referred his parents to me. Yeah, oh, very cool. And the people that I got to meet there, a lot of great people uh, listen to the show. Some of those that we even talked about on the air, I got to meet in person. One of your patients, particularly one of the most heart uh, uplifting stories, someone who came to you in a wheelchair. And you, you actually, she got up and walked and showed how she was moving about the cabin so well. And what a stunning recovery. Yeah, actually, Robert, she was walking uh, when she came to me. She, we didn't get her out of the wheelchair. She got herself out of the wheelchair. Um, but she understood that she needed more treatment, and she's been coming, and, and you know, we're grateful that she's getting better. But she is such a – she is an inspiration uh, in many ways. And you know, it's so cool to have so many patients in my own office that are inspirations to me. That's, that's one of the cool things about doing this type of medicine, that you get to see things that other people – think are miraculous but and they are miraculous but miracles happen every day in our yeah. clinic and and again we were very fortunate for that i just had a 16 year old that is uh that was supposed to have been dead a year and a half ago with osteosarcoma metastasized from her left leg into her uh lungs and um there's you know they basically said she had six months left to live if that and she's now she was in a wheelchair when she came to us she's now walking uh between a half a mile and a and three quarters of a mile every day getting better stronger she's gaining she told me i asked her about her weight and she says um is there something i can do dr Bichard, to lose weight because i think i'm gaining too much weight. Oh, wow that is again you want to experience the miracles we're talking about here you can do it firsthand and plan up go to houston texas and that will be november 16th and 17th for some more advanced medicine seminars remember the health care providers on the first day and the second day we, we heard that some of them didn't get the message that they're there for both days even though it's health care provider focused on the first day and everybody the second but everybody enjoyed the second day that was able to stick around so i'm hoping that everybody uh, that couldn't make it to philly in the south land i mean people were flying in from all over too so don't think that you're limited come on down we'll, we'll like to see you there the weekend before for 
Thanksgiving. So no excuse. You'll have time. Take it off and come on down and see us. I just want to say one quick thing yeah. that the second day is actually the main part of, of the seminar. The second day is the focus. A lot of times people go to a medical conference and as a side note, they'll do something for the public. Yeah. Ours is for the public. It is the focus. The first day, the only reason we have it only to doctors is because we have to make sure that they're able to help mm-hmm. the patients that are coming to them and we give them certain tools and certain That are weapons specific to, to them. I'm sorry? That are specific for their uh, abilities, right? What they can it, access and that, do. Yeah. Exactly. So that not, not only specific for their ability, but also specific for the type of patients that are needing that, that help. Because mm-hmm. certain patients need certain tools, or the doctors need to have certain tools to be able to help them. And we want to provide those doctors with those tools. That's absolutely correct. And specific to them, you're absolutely correct. So I want people to understand that this is not focused on the day one for the healthcare providers and day two is an aftermath. The focus and the main event is that day two, that yeah. day one is just a precursor for the healthcare providers. All right. Well, now that we've got one under our belt, we'll talk more about about it, and it's very exciting, as you can hear. It's what's bubbling through me right now on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar here. We've got lots more healing to go. We'll talk about how to, uh, let's say, transform the viewpoint of vaccines by the general public and more after this. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know, another thing that happened at the Advanced Medicine Seminars that I noticed, that all the people that you had speaking, Dr. Tenpenny and I, and you had Jim Hover there, you know, everybody's got, in one sense, a different message, but not really. It, it all aligned so beautifully. It all meshed together. I mean, even there there were times where, remember Dr. Tenpenny, when she t- described the pie chart of the person, you know, who has what, how much of an emotional thing. It's like, it fits perfectly into the nine steps to keep the doctor away. It was just a little different visual, but it all complemented everything. Absolutely, Robert. That's one of the cool things, and that's one reason I made that comment, that everybody there that had been invited to come and lecture were very specifically picked. And these are people that I don't have to think about, are they aligned or not? I already know on a soul level, on, on a vibrational frequency level, that they're on the same right message, on the same frequency as myself. Just like you and I are, we don't have to rehearse what we're going to be talking about. We don't uh, talk about what we're going to talk about in the show before we go on the air. I mean, pretty much it's always spontaneous. Whatever it is, it's there. And that's what the cool thing is, that those people there, Dr. Tempany, yourself, Dr. Haver, you know, um, a couple of people that weren't able to make it, but they're the same like-mindedness. One of those people we had on the show before with us, Ty. Ty Bollinger. We're no. working on something behind the scenes. we got an announcement hopefully coming up soon about an addition here, but we'll get to that. I'm very excited about the connection, though. Yeah, but so it's this like-minded people that are that are uh, uniformly on the same frequency and have the same message, and the message is one about detoxification, and that's the truth. I mean, it all comes down. Even now, the presidential cancer panel is establishing that fact that uh, the one thing that's been ignored by mainstream traditional medicine has been that issue of environmental toxins and. Uh, it, I think the exact words were, if I remember correctly, and we can look at the report, but grossly underestimated. The impact has been grossly underestimated. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And we covered also yesterday a, a stunning uh, article. I think I forwarded to you. Sherry had put that to our attention about the New England Journal of Medicine publishing a whole piece where they just basically acknowledged the failure of the model of modern medicine as it is applied everywhere else where it shouldn't be applied to. And so that's a, that was like I, I was I was joking. It's like who fell asleep at the New England Journal of Medicine to let that out? 
Yeah, exactly. So the the person who was supposed to be taking, uh, making sure that those type of things are filtered and discarded, obviously was not sitting at the helm, and it got through. But see that that's a that's a twenty twelve thing. That's a consciousness thing. I mean, that's the stuff that never used to happen. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. So one thing else I wanted to bring up, and I, I enjoyed so much when you had Sherry there. Again, this is the beautiful thing. When we come together like this, it, it kind of it, it multiplies the one plus one equals three kind of concept. The energy just builds. Uh, Sherry was talking about you know the disappointment that we all have, that despite all of the good works and all the information we're getting out there, only 2%, according to the stats, of Americans are rejecting or opting out of vaccines for their kids and i'm like two only two percent i mean that's better than zero percent but at the same time she brought it up this way it's like why can't we or somehow find a way to communicate that vaccines are like pink slime to ground beef because look at the people just oh even that are not organic said pink slime i don't want to eat that how do we win the pr battle because it is this is a public relations campaign we've been mind melded into believing vaccines are good we've got to unmind meld it and there are a lot of creative ways we got to keep coming up with well robert um i would actually disagree with you i think two percent success mm-hmm. compared to 98 percent of people that are out there that aren't uh, understanding this considering the amount of dollars that have been thrown into the public campaign to try to convince people that vaccines are safe and good for you versus the number of dollars that we've thrown forward to try to prove to people that vaccines are bad for you, we haven't thrown any dollars towards it. I mean, we don't have any major industry, major pharmaceutical companies that are supporting us. And so 2% is pretty amazing if you think about it, that we're going against a huge multi-trillion dollar complex and we're still 2% successful because that 2%, I guarantee you, there's another 20% that are aware of it but not sure. And there's probably another... 20% that are aware of it and want to do it but are scared. So I bet you for 2% of people Mm -hmm. to actually take action, those are the 2% that are bold that will walk into the fire. And you and I both know that if you pick 100 people, only two or three will walk into the fire. The rest of them may agree with it, but they're not going to want to take the first bullet. They're not going to want to walk into the fire. So I think that 2% is only indicative of those that are walking into the fire, not those that are truly aware of it. I think there's so many people that, and I meet them all the time, that really want to abstain from it but are scared. They're scared because mm-hmm. they're you know, going through a divorce and, and they may lose custody of the child or they're scared that the school is going to you know, create a problem for them or they're scared sure. of you know, what will my parents think or what will my, you know, whatever. There's all sorts of different things. I mean, even your story when you said about your daughter in the Montessori school mm-hmm. – um, when they send in the six foot two guy, you know, to do it was this intimidation tactics. Try, yeah, I mean, trying I'm, to say you, you don't want to vaccinate. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't follow up on that story because there was so much to say. And I, you know how it is with the timing. But it turned out that six foot two guy, that nurse that they sent in to try because, you know, the, the old lady, I wasn't having any of it. He actually was apologetic to me. I mean, he was really apologetic. He was sorry that he had to even come in there because he was sort of aligned with me and, and my beliefs about it. Yet he, in order to have a job, you understand that's the, the kind of people that are out there. But it, it backfired on them, not that it was going to change me, even if he was going to try and intimidate me. But there was another success story of a guy that really gets it. Well, absolutely. I have a uh, lady that I treated her child for brain cancer. And uh, we talked about this maybe two years ago. Um, But she's a school nurse and they are convincing she her job is to convince parents to get the vaccinations. And yet she completely 100 percent is opposed to it and doesn't want to give any child any vaccines. And she told me, she said, Dr. Tom, what do I do? I need a job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's tough where in the community that I live, there's not too many jobs, and this is a really well-paying job. And yet I have to do something on a daily basis that I absolutely 
hate because I don't believe it. I know it's hurting people. So again, you know, that two percent I think is not an accurate representation of the people that really mm-hmm. understand or that really want to do this. I think it's just the beginning. But here, two thousand twelve, you watch yeah. what happens. I believe it's going to be twenty two percent by next year, and it'll be. Double that, you know, by 2014. Well, that's the fresh perspective that uh, that comes from having an advanced medicine, uh, you know, creative background here that we we release every week. And by the way, I was dealing with the county health department on that issue because even the private schools have to play ball with the state if they want to have a charter to allow them to be a quote unquote school in any given state. So you got to navigate these terrains, these shark infested waters. But you'll find out there's a lot of these sharks that are actually quite friendly when you get them behind the door and they'll go, let's pretend I said something. So anyway, (laughs) it's an amazing thing we're witnessing. So no, I I appreciate that too because, you know, we can look at it uh, in two ways. One, it's only 2% but the reality is how much have we thrown at it zero dollars relative to the multi billions of trillions over the years that have been thrown at the, the mind uh, melding into the fear base remember there was a woman uh, that was sitting in the back a young mother and she was stunned by what was being presented a little bit about the vaccines come on there's got to be one vaccine that's good you remember her yeah the redheaded lady yeah yeah and she was, but at the same time, she, you know, had to, she came a long way in a hurry. And I didn't expect someone that would, had already, uh, had not been exposed to a lot of it. And she had some awareness, but to get well, the full. Well, she actually, she actually came to the seminar because she wants to bring her child to me for treatment. She's from New York. So mm-hmm. uh, she obviously have had, would have had to have had some inclination of this because otherwise she wouldn't have been uh, interested in bringing her child to me. But she told me she, that's the reason she came to the seminar because she really wants to bring her child to get treatment. And yet, the logistics of it prohibit her from doing so, and so she was hoping that she would get some guidance by coming to the seminar. Yeah, and she did, and she got a lot, a lot of great stuff. I got to chat with her in the back a little bit too, but it was just a great place. There was a lot of uh, laughter in it as well, which is nice. And, and I, you know, it even said that the moment you find a doctor that has no sense of humor, immediately get out of that office and find someone who does because they've lost that life spark. Well, you, you really caused a lot of laughing there. Everybody was in stitches when you said that. That was funny, and that's true. Yeah, it, re- it really is. Because, listen, we have all uh, gone through a lot of challenges in our life. And, you know, the people that I respect and have become friends with within the medical realm and outside of it, Sherry as well, have great sense of humor and love to laugh about these things. Dr. Carolyn Dean, who, who you know as well, I mean, they've, they've been maligned, they've been attacked, and they've never lost that spark. And that's where you know these are the people you want to be around. These are the people that will bring healing just by being in their presence. Well, I, I do believe that uh, energy sparks energy. I've also always said where attention goes, energy flows. And, uh, you know, the, the bottom line is, Robert, that it takes – it's a lot easier to laugh about it than to uh, cry about it because I don't remember the exact adage, but something like it takes three muscles to smile and nine muscles to frown or something. Yeah, like it's, it, it's, it's way more so – so they say conserve energy and smile more, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, to me, I, I'm just trying to achieve zero points. So to me, it just makes more sense to laugh about it because, you know, if, if it takes more effort to cry, why not just laugh about it? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. You know, and as we continue here with these Advanced Medicine Monday special, uh, you know, weekly editions of the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Batar, we realize – that we are on the upswing. Why? There's a story I covered yesterday. Um, U.S. distrusts the media. It hits a new high. Americans' distrust in the, in the old media hit a new high this year with 60% saying they have little or none. No trust in mass media to report the news fully accurately and fairly. So it's well beyond, as you said, that 2%. If 60% don't even trust that message, what does that say? Well, Robert, here's another perfect example. Who got that 
who allowed that to get into the uh, traditional media? So somebody who was supposed to be filtering that out, again, <laughs> you know, because why would the media report that when it's just slamming themselves? Well, again, it's the 2012 thing. It's that awareness thing. Mm-hmm. The universal consciousness is increasing. And so we have another a piece of evidence to support our our conjecture. All right. Well, we got to take a break. We had a little bit of time left. This Advanced Medicine Monday fired up with uh, the seminars that have kicked off. Remember, November 16th and 17th. And also, this Wednesday, I will be at a lo- what is it? Love Whole Foods in Port Orange, Florida. So I look forward to seeing you Wednesday evening as well there. Stand by. Lots more healing to go. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking every week when we kick uh, off advanced medicine here, Doctor Batar, we we really just dive into the deep end. You know, we're just all the way in. Don't wait. No shallow. Forget that noise. We're going all the way. I agree with you. It is, but it's exhilarating, right? It is. It is. We we get so pumped up here. Launching a new war on cancer. We don't have enough war going on, Doctor Batar. What is this thing going on? It was it's MD Anderson saying that they want three billion over the next ten years to be even more insane. Yeah, actually, these aren't my words that I'm going to share with you right now. These are the words of a Fortune 200 company, um, very wealthy, a very successful company with over 60,000 worldwide employees. And he sent me this article but before you sent it to me, actually, Robert. He actually scanned in the article from the newspaper, and he said – and his caption on the email that he sent to me said, this is the real Auschwitz. Mm. Let so. that sink in. Yeah, there's a story that that I covered last hour as well. We try to make it kind of lighthearted, but you know, it's like those super groups from the '80s when all these different rock bands got together. A few of them came together and into a super group. They did this super group of big pharma, ten companies, all the demon spawn of IG Farben coming together to reduce cost in studying new drugs. And I was like, oh, you know, the illusion that they ever were broken up. It's not. It's the same Nazi medicine. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. And they're just, they're just uh, perpetuating that definition of insanity that Einstein had. The, the definition of insanity was to keep on doing the same thing and expect different results. Yeah, if we only threw more money at it, we, we'll get it right this time, right? It was Nixon's war on cancer. They, they referenced the moonshot you know, of, of Kennedy going, we're going to be in the moon before the end of the decade. These are not equivalent things. I mean, you go there, you've actually got on the moon. Okay, you want to cure cancer by killing patients? Come on, man. Right, and they're talking about how they've now they can sequence DNA, and it's going to be costing so much less to uh, sequence the DNA. Only a few hundred dollars now, whereas ten years ago it would have cost you know billions to have actually done that. And so that's going to make the war on cancer even more effective. And that's just ludicrous because the DNA is not what the problem is. It's a toxicity issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's the environmental trigger that causes the DNA to express a different gene. And they just they have, they've totally they're they're going in the wrong direction. I mean, it's like. You know, you've got to get to higher ground, and they're heading down to the flood zone. Then they're not hit the water, and they're just going to accelerate and go deeper into the water. It's just you just can't get the answer by going in the complete wrong direction. Yeah, the 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 proverbial going over the cliff and hitting the accelerator while you're going down. I mean, you're going down, but these are last ditch razzle dazzle efforts, I suppose. I think they are, and one of the things is that when when people talk about, well, surely, Doctor, we talk. Come on, you got to give some validity to some of this stuff. You know, my response, Robert, very simply is that why is it that I don't have billions, I don't even have millions, and the few, you know, few dollars that we did have the medical board try to take away, 
why is it that we are successful in stopping certain cancers, in fact, stopping many cancers, when the conventional realm has not been successful in stopping it? And I'm not the only one. There are other doctors that have been successful in also stopping cancers that the traditional model had failed and the patients had been referred to hospice. So if we can do this with limited funds, and they've got the trillions that they've spent, and they're yeah. still on the wrong road. And why is it so hard to believe the fact that they're going down the wrong road? Why not go down the road that has already been successful at a fraction of the cost, that, that works innately with the body's inherent intelligence, and let's see what that leads to. Yeah, the fraction of the cost thing gets them every time. Excuse me, did you say fraction? Um, go the other way, please, right away. Don't listen to that. I mean, that's the whole economic model that we're dealing with, which is what is the profitability of it uh, versus the you know the non-patentable forms of medicines that anybody could access. And you'd actually make it affordable and eliminate that. And we did talk a little bit about the insurance industry and how it corrupts the doctor-patient relationship as well. Yeah, that's true. And that's probably one of the, one of the other components that uh, has – certainly contributed to the problem that modern healthcare is now experiencing. Well, listen, we're, we're wrapping up Advanced Medicine Monday for today, but I, I already can't wait till next Monday. <laughs> well, Robert, it'll, we've got a lot of Mondays to go, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm really, really excited about what just happened in Philadelphia and what's happening, going to happen in Houston, what's going to happen over the next year, because as you and I discussed in private after the conference, our goal is to have thousands of people by next year at the same time. So let's get it going. Yeah, fire it up. Make your plans now. November 16th, 17th, Houston, Texas. A life-changing event and, and a very empowering event. A lot of laughter, a lot of joy, some tears as well. Amazing stories of healing that are real in front of you that you can actually touch. So this is great stuff. Advanced Medicine Monday continues even when we're off the air. Hundreds of hours now it feels out there. Medical Rewind, check it out. All the wonderful links to Dr. Batar's best-selling international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away as well. So now, all we're left to do is remind you, what is it? The power to heal is most definitely yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.